it's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you from COG Studios on Monday, June 24th, after the LA Galaxy's 2 0 win in Major League Soccer play at FC Cincinnati. So, a, uh, a good win in terms of getting the points and certainly ending the first half of the season. We're going to discuss that win and then talk about all the other LA Galaxy news around there, including. Rumors about Diego Polenta possibly wanting to leave the LA Galaxy. We'll get you a great latest and greatest update on that. Uh, and then we're also going to get you through all of the international players that are playing right now. Some all-star game news, which I'm sure you're all super excited about. Um, and then, you know, sort of leading everything, getting you ready for uh, this game in the first... Uh, let's see, Cali Classico, the first Cali Classico of 2019 here as the LA Galaxy get ready to head up to Stanford Stadium and play the San Jose Earthquakes. That's a game that, of course, I will be at. Um, so I will be covering the LA Galaxy on that Saturday game. Uh, I will be there in the press box, ready to uh, talk to the players afterwards and hopefully have a bunch of really great content for you uh, leading up to it. But my first away game in uh, in 2019, I'm looking forward to, uh, to hitting the Bay Area, which I haven't done in a long time. So looking forward to all of that. But the LA Galaxy, let's start... Let's start where we should start with the LA Galaxy's 2 nothing win over FC Cincinnati. Uh, this is a game that we had previewed with uh, the Portuguese Hammer last week. He will actually be here, Eric. Uh, the Portuguese Hammer will be here on Thursday as well. So if you're looking forward to that, a live show with Eric uh, again. I think that's three weeks in a row, which is uh, kind of crazy, kind of fun. Uh, but anyway, so uh, Eric will be here as well. Uh, we'll get you ready for the San Jose game. But we previewed the Cincinnati game saying, you know, the Galaxy really should win this game. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff within this game that leans in the Galaxy's favor. The fact that FC Cincinnati had to play a bunch of their starters in their Open Cup loss to St. Louis FC. Uh, the fact that, uh, yes, both teams were missing players, but the Galaxy still had a more cohesive unit than FC Cincinnati, and all of that really sort of played out the way I think that everyone expected, um, even if the Galaxy, and I'll say it right now, had a totally uneven performance. Uh, you can say it wasn't a great game. It was a good, you know, first 15 minutes from the LA Galaxy. Outside of that, it was good defending and some good individual efforts, uh, but some real quality lacking, certainly on counterattacks, and we can talk about that as we get into this a little bit. But, you know, for me, the big deal and the big takeaway here is the Galaxy go on the road, they win, it's 2 nothing. that's a score that you like. Um, you know, all those things are, are, are good things. And you look now sitting at 31 points and halfway through the season, 17 games having been, been played, the LA Galaxy sit at second in the Western Conference. They sit at second in the Supporters' Shield right now. So all of those things are leaning in the Galaxy's favor, even as they currently have, you know, uh, have played one more game than some of the other teams around them. Um, but looking at some different things, and we're certainly going to take a little bit look at, at maybe some some charts or at least some, some updated stuff that I've taken a look at through all the charts that I have. We want to take a look at that and sort of understand where that is and, and where the LA Galaxy fit and how it fits in with the rest of the league. So we'll, we'll break into that a little bit more. Um, 
Maybe the only surprise in the starting lineup was Jorgen Shelvick. Uh, Shelvick apparently injured and uh, and did not travel to FC Cincinnati. Had been injured throughout the uh, the entire week. Apparently was not 100%. Not exactly sure what his injury is, but was told by the LA Galaxy that he wasn't 100%, and that's why uh, he was not on the roster sheet, not there, which means that Dave Romney reprises his U.S. Open Cup role uh, that he had over there at left back, um, along with Diego Polenta, Dan Stares, and uh, Julian Araujo. So that was your back line for the LA Galaxy. David Bingham returns the goal after the Open Cup break for him. Uh, you had Joe Corona and Perry Kitchen playing in the middle. Emmanuel Boateng got the start really up top with Ibrahimovic more than he really was a midfielder in this you know, 4-2-3-1 if you want to call it that. Um, so Boateng was there. You had Fabio Alvarez and you had Sebastian Legette who made his I what I would call surprise return to this game. Uh, was told he just started training on Tuesday. Uh, he came back in early. The guys, uh, apparently, the, you know, they needed the body. Maybe they pressed Legette a little bit early into this, and we'll see if that has any ramifications down the road. But Sebastian Legette uh, starting in this game was maybe a little bit more of a surprise. Uh, both him and Shelvick were, were surprises, at least to me, uh, whenever I looked at this. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic returns after his open cup break and having a long, a long time off uh, up to that number nine position, and I'm sure I'll have a bunch of say about Zlatan and his complete disconnected uh, performance from the rest of the LA Galaxy. Um, what you saw from this LA Galaxy team was was pretty obvious in the very opening minutes was a full press. You know, Dave Romney missed one on the doorstep that probably should have really opened the scoring, I think, in the third minute, um, which is the Galaxy just pressing FC Cincinnati into oblivion. Uh, the Galaxy putting all the pressure and all that offensive pressure forward early in this game. Uh, whenever you look at the possession at the end of the game, FC Cincinnati had almost 65% possession. The LA Galaxy had uh, just a little over 35% possession, and the reason that that stands, the reason reason that that's there is because the LA Galaxy had scored early enough in this game that they didn't have to worry about holding possession for the rest of the game and really that's been their their successful style on the road is to score some goals early um, and then be able to just sort of ride out the rest of the pressure, which quite honestly, a good midfield and good uh, defensive performance from the LA Galaxy defense and, and Perry Kitchen and Joe Corona uh, in particular. So Looking at how they play and, and looking at it, it makes perfect sense. And I had said on you know the game on our preview on Thursday really was was still looking at the fact that um, the LA Galaxy were if they scored first would be in a good position to win this game. I mean that's an obvious statement, uh, but it really is important for the LA Galaxy, especially on the road, especially you know for a team like FC Cincinnati who was really going to try to throw everything they could at them. Um, but ultimately, the Galaxy, you know, had more quality than than really FC Cincinnati. This was an out. This is this is when the Galaxy outmatched in terms of talent what was available on the other side of the field. I mean, there were nine total players missing from this game from both teams. Uh, you know, Major League Soccer. Maybe you want to think this whole international break thing. Whenever you pull nine players um, from international duty, um, you know, from these teams. Quite honestly, the 32,250 that were in attendance at the sellout at Nippert Stadium, they probably deserved more than to see, you know, a team that was missing nine of its best players, really, whenever you look at what international call-ups usually entail, which is the better players on that. But uh, what you get in this game is a little surprising, I guess, to some. Uh, It's surprising to me. I'll, I'll say it. Emmanuel Boateng had a great first half. Um, was put himself in dangerous positions multiple times, I think, through 
throughout the match. Uh, for a guy who we uh, sort of hit over the head multiple times whenever we were talking about him on Thursday, saying you get what you get, uh, Boateng had five shots uh, and had a goal in the 12th minute. So that's his first goal for the LA Galaxy uh, this season in 2019. He had two goals last year in 2018. Um, so Emmanuel Boateng finding the back of the net with a left-footed shot that was... Um, Everything about it was really nice. You know, Fabio Alvarez got the assist on it. Fabio Alvarez ends up scoring the second goal as well. So a goal and an assist for Fabio Alvarez. Uh, he earned Team of the Week uh, nominations. Perry Kitchen earned Team of the Week nominations. And Julian Araujo earned Team of the Week bench. Um, so they, you had three LA Galaxy players within that Team of the Week. Uh, maybe a little bit lighter schedule whenever you look at everything. But for the most part, that's a, that's a legit, you know, sort of Team of the Week outside of all the international absences. So again, maybe not that legit. Um, but you look at how, you know how the LA Galaxy play here through Emmanuel Boateng, through Fabio Alvarez getting the ball to Boateng. It was good to bring the ball down. It was a good left-footed shot. Uh, really, the you know the goalkeeper over on the other side, uh, Spencer Ritchie for for FC Cincinnati, I think was probably shielded a little bit from it. Uh, didn't see it till late, and, and Boateng put it in the side netting, you know, low on the ground. That's what you'd expect from that shot. I, I, you know, we, you have to look at the quality of the opponent here and. I'm not going to say that FC Cincinnati feels like they are MLS quality right now. They're not, and especially not whenever they're missing some of their best players. Um, that's not going to happen either. But you look at what the LA Galaxy have been able to do, and, and at least in this case, playing against the worst team in Major League Soccer, getting the win and getting 2 nothing is important, and I think that's the biggest sort of takeaway. We can glean on some, some more takeaways from this, and some of them are good or some of them are bad. Uh, I think Eric and I talked on Thursday about the lack of depth for the LA Galaxy, how there seems to be this want for this Galaxy team to have depth, um, and it's not there. But in this game, you did learn a little bit more about the depth the Galaxy have, and in particular, Perry Kitchen is an important part of that depth right now. Uh, if he can play as good as he did against FC Cincinnati, again, understanding the quality of the opponent, uh, then the LA Galaxy have a realistic backup to actually you know, give Jonathan Dos Santos some time off in terms of not having to play all 90 minutes every single game because that's going to wear thin on a guy who is currently playing you know, multiple games for Mexico as they continue in the Gold Cup. Uh, he's going to have a lot of miles left on those legs this year. And knowing how injury-prone both him and his brother were last year, you sort of want to sit there and say, okay, if you can protect him from minutes, then Perry Kitchen can provide you that backup. Coming into games, especially in games where the LA Galaxy are winning, uh, you know, maybe you can give him some rest on those legs, Jonathan Dos Santos. So Perry Kitchen coming alive in this game. I thought his tackles were nice. Um, I thought he defended well. He filled in for Jonathan Dos Santos in a lot of ways in terms of coming back and breaking up counterattacks and breaking up and, and being that sort of fifth defender that sits in front of uh, Polenta and Steris. Um So those, to me, were all positive things that you saw there. You know, um, I think the entire back line played perfectly fine. I didn't see any issues with any of them. You know, Rajo played well, and, you know, as a 17-year-old, that's what you want to see. He continues to get better. Uh, he can be a force, certainly, in the attack, and so that's something you want to watch him sort of develop and get better with. But Boateng was was really, you know, too much for FC Cincinnati to handle. It's funny to think that whenever you have Zlatan Ibrahimovic out there on the field that you have to worry about Emmanuel Boateng, but having Zlatan Ibrahimovic out there draws the attention away from Emmanuel Boateng. Um, you know, I thought Falvio Alvarez, again, has just continued to play um, really nicely. He now has two goals in three games for the LA Galaxy. I think that's his first assist. It might be his second assist. I'd actually have to look it up. I had it in my uh, game recap article that we actually uh, did at Corner of the Galaxy um, for this particular game. But it's it's for Fabio Alvarez, you see him getting more and more comfortable. What, what I wanted to see 
in this game was how he could get more comfortable with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and I don't think we saw that. In fact, we know we didn't see it because Zlatan Ibrahimovic wasn't comfortable the entire night. Um, really, for uh, for for Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you want to see him after this break looking energized, and you didn't. He looked old. Um, so. That's something, again, to keep an eye on. Let me correct myself now. Uh, Fabio Alvarez played in five games so far, um, 370 total minutes. Uh, he has two goals and one assist. So just wanted to make sure we got that corrected and and on the thing. But no, I mean, you know, the, the thing for Zlatan Ibrahimovic is this. Uh, there's multiple sides to look at this, and certainly we're going to get to Sebastian Legette's comments uh, to Megan Riza after the game from Spectrum Sportsnet, um, and we're going to talk about that. But in this game, what you saw is an unenergized, you know, disconnected, not engaged Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and I think he wanted to be early, and I think as the game wore on, he decided that he didn't want to be there anymore. And maybe that's too simplistic. I'm sure if you asked Zlatan that, he would tell me that it was ridiculous. Um, but, you know, it, it's something that you really want to watch with how he's developing and how it's going. Now, for all the people, and I certainly saw a bunch of people uh, complaining and saying, you know, they wanted to get rid of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I, I'd like to point out that he's still on a goal pace right now to basically... Um, sort of slide underneath, uh, um, you know, Carlos Ruiz's some of the best play, you know, some of the best goal scoring we've seen, um, you know, with the LA Galaxy. So uh, Carlos Ruiz in, tw- in 2002 scored 24 goals. Zlatan Ibrahimovic halfway through the season has 11 goals. Uh, basically, if you look at the games played, they're half of each other right now. So, I mean, Zlatan's sitting at 0.85 goals per game right now, and Carlos Ruiz finished at 0.92 um, goals per game. Uh, if you look at minutes per goal, Carlos Ruiz was at 99 minutes per goal, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic is actually at 98 minutes per goal. So having said all of that, Zlatan Ibrahimovic seems on his way to getting 22 goals this season. So I think saying, you know, he doesn't matter or that he's a, he's a, a problem to this LA Galaxy team, you can't, you can't look at the stats and say, hey, that's not working. You can say team chemistry-wise, maybe he could be an issue. Uh, but it doesn't seem to be that way. And even Sebastian Legette. Uh, even for a guy who um, is one of the nicest guys and never throws anybody under the bus, and he didn't throw Zlatan under the bus in this. I know people really want to do it, and you've probably you've probably seen the quotes. Um, I'll tell you right now, the quote sheet that we got after the game, and and granted, the the quote sheet that we got after the game didn't come out after the game, and actually got released the next morning. Um, but whenever I woke up on Sunday morning, we had the quote sheet, and the Sebastian Legette quote was not complete. Um, I'm, I was told it wasn't transcribed by the LA Galaxy, so you know it, it wasn't complete, and it came from Megan Reese's interview, and so I actually reached out to Megan to sort of see what was going on there. Uh, so we had a little chat about it, and and I think we both agreed. And you know, Megan, if you're listening, you're more than welcome to come on the show anytime if you think I'm I'm speaking uh, for you in this particular case. But I both think we we heard the quote and saw, and saw the video from it, and everything was there, and said that you know Sebastian Jets not throwing him under the bus. This really isn't a thing. He's saying it almost last. Um, and, and this is what Sebastian Legette said afterwards about Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Megan Riza asked about sort of the emotions from Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and I'll add the 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 um, the motions, um, not just the emotions, but the motions, the motioning, uh, the hands, the histrionics that uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic sort of uh, emotes during these games is a bit much. Uh, and that's how that's being said. Maybe I'm just uh, uh, removed too far from Robbie Keane now that I can't remember what it's like to really see those types of things um, from 
players whenever they're upset, angry, and, and not involved. But Zlatan Ibrahimovic, or excuse me, Sebastian Legette said after the game about Zlatan Ibrahimovic to Megan Riza on Spectrum Sportsnet. Uh, he says, and I quote, Yeah, I mean, he's an interesting character, but obviously he likes to get his goals and stuff like that. We're all happy for the win, but he's an emotional guy and he seems to show it a bit too much at times, but that's him. End of quote. All right, now even me reading that sounds more, you know, sinister than what Sebastian Legette was doing. I can't do it in the jovial nature that, that Sebastian Legette was doing. I think he's poking Zlatan a little bit. I think he's saying, yeah, he shows a little bit, a bit, bit of, a little bit too much at times. Um, and maybe that's the easy way to sort of, you know, go into that. I think that in this particular game, what you saw was Zlatan Ibrahimovic frustrated with the fact that the LA Galaxy couldn't find him the ball. And it's on multiple attempts, multiple counterattacks. The Galaxy should have won this game. And I texted Eric after the second goal. I said, this game should get out of hand and it should get out of hand quickly. Meaning the LA Galaxy should run up the score and this should not be a game. What happened instead was the LA Galaxy decided, and it, you can't even say that they took their foot off the gas. I disagree with that if you say, oh, well, the, you know, the energy just wasn't there. Um, you know, they weren't trying as hard. I don't think that's what it was. They were not playing well. Uh, you know, outside of the first 15 minutes, I don't think the LA Galaxy were playing well. Uh, I don't think they generated very many good chances. I don't think they generated too many good crosses. I don't think all of those things that you expect from the LA Galaxy to hold a little bit, a bit of possession in the midfield, uh, to find outlets and to do that, I don't think they played well. And I think that certainly has to do with missing players in key spots. I think Jonathan Dos Santos, even with Perry Kitchen playing as well as he did defensively, I think that missing... Uh, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos in those key spots is, of course, you're going to see a downslide from that. Of course, there's going to be an issue with that whenever you look at it. So, you know, for me, what you're seeing is an LA Galaxy team that is missing key pieces and looking to that depth. And I said, hey, the LA Galaxy gained some depth knowing that Perry Kitchen can back up Jonathan Dos Santos in these areas. Yes, that's true. But you also realize that the depth does not mean that this LA Galaxy team is as good. I mean, this is as good as the best lineup that you could probably put out there outside of probably Shelvick being injured right now. Uh, maybe you start Chris Pontius. Maybe that gives you a little bit more. And, you know, all those things can, can sort of happen um, in this game. But what you really saw from the LA Galaxy was... Uh, the fact that they couldn't run up the score, that they couldn't just trounce FC Cincinnati, and it should have been a trouncing. Uh, they should have run over them. And I think that's where you get the disappointment. I think you get the disappointment from a bunch of people. I think you get it from Guillermo Barrescoloto, even l listening to what he said and, uh, and 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 looking at the words that you know were, were transcribed for him in terms of you know what he saw after the match. Let's get to some of it. He says on his emotions after the match, he goes, "I think we went to the field to try to get a, get a score and to play on on this field, and we did good in the first 15, 20 minutes where we get two goals. Then they start to manage the ball, manage the ball very well, but in the middle of the field, and that didn't give much much of a chance. Then in the second half, we tried to figure out that we needed to manage the ball and take control of the game. I think it was a little more." divided to manage the ball in the entire game we were in a very tight game and the place was noisy we had to play there and won there it's important to win to get these three points away and get ready for the next game against San Jose at San Jose here's what I you know there has to be an inference here you have to sort of translate what Guillermo says in English because it's not always a you know direct translation again super smart guy um, English as his second language, again, uh, you know, and it might even be his third language. I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, really, he says that they tried to manage that ball. They tried to. And and I think you're going to see this, and I certainly will give the Galaxy credit on this, is that if you look at the shot patterns from FC Cincinnati, there's a lot of stuff that is shot from outside the box. Um, and when you look at that, 
you know, you sort of say, okay, well, they didn't get too many clear chances. And I think that that's, that's true of a lot of things for the LA Galaxy in terms of, you know, they were really trying to, to, to take this game away from FC Cincinnati. If you look, they had three shots on target total for FC Cincinnati, despite only taking one less shot than the LA Galaxy. They had 12 shots. Galaxy had 13. The Galaxy had seven shots on target. That includes two goals. So that means there's five other saves that Spencer Ritchie had to come up with. Now, there's some that you could probably say, um, you know, should have, should have, should have helped. And I don't think the refereeing in this game was equal. Um, put the game on a fair footing. I don't think that it was officiated well. Um, certainly not whenever you had a handball that probably happened four times within the box, and a referee who was afraid to blow the whistle. I, I think that helped this game get sort of stay in the in the limbo that it was. Um, because I think the Galaxy did more than enough to really press FC Cincinnati throughout this game. Seven shots on goal, really, you know, the expected goals on that probably climbs up to maybe three in this game. The Galaxy win this 3 nothing. I think you feel a little bit better, but it's about the chances they generate as well. Guillermo's trying to say in this that really it was FC Cincinnati playing in the center of the field, that there weren't a lot of dangerous attacks, and he's probably right on that. So, I mean, you want to credit the Galaxy for stymieing any attack. I, I think you, you have to sort of look at that. Um, Guillermo talking about having to, to manage a game like uh, like the game against FC Cincinnati. He says, I feel a little frustration from that, from not taking control of the game. But you know, sometimes that happens. But when it happens, it's very important. It's, it is a very important difference where, where we were like today because they managed the ball and never got their selection to score. So uh, again, I think Guillermo gives this a little more rosy look than, than I would. I think a lot of you would. Um, I think this was a sloppy performance by the LA Galaxy. Uh, I do. I think it was a good defensive stand. I think it was a good defensive midfield stand. But in terms of offense, uh, with seven shots on goal, then there probably should have been maybe four or five more shots on goal. Whenever you think of all the chances they wasted in countering, FC Cincinnati was pressed up high, and all you had to do was find an outlet to Boateng or an outlet to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and the Galaxy midfield couldn't make that happen. Um you know, I think that's a that's sort of an interesting look whenever you look at it. Uh, Guillermo talks about Emmanuel Boateng's goal. He says, I'm happy for Boateng. Again, this was interesting. He's asked about, I, I and I assume that he's asked about Boateng's goal, but he, he makes sure um, that he includes all of his goal scorers plus one guy who didn't score. Um, so I don't know how to, so just, just listen to the words. He says, I'm happy for Boateng. Uh, I'm happy for Boateng, Alvarez, and and him. So let's see. Let's see. let's read this correctly. I am happy for Boateng, Alvarez, and him. Him speaking about Boateng again. Uh, he, he then goes on and says, Ibrahimovic was looking for the goal, but he couldn't score today. I am very happy for Emmanuel. So again, getting Zlatan in there, even though Zlatan had two shots, two shots on goal, um, probably had a good look on one of them with the, the give and go from Efrain Alvarez. Um, but that's what it is. All right. And then... Uh, he's going to talk about the game against San Jose. He says, I think we need to prepare like we did this week. Again, big game for us, like it is for every game in California. Big stadiums and lots of people. So need to take every day and every moment to get better and try to win because every time the team goes out, we try to win. Uh, let's touch on Sebastian Legette real good, real quick here. He says, uh, I thought we came out strong with a good mentality. I mean, we got those two goals back-to-back, which helped us. We wanted to dominate a bit more, work off, work off those goals, but it didn't happen. But I thought defensively they didn't really have a lot of chances, and I think we can look back at this game, and it was def- definitely positive, especially after the break and falling short to New England, we knew we needed to win. 
Uh, he talks about the importance of the performance. He says, obviously not the way any team wants to go into the break in terms of losing to New England. Uh, he continues and says, but short-term memory, and we had two weeks of work. Obviously, it picked up a minor injury, but it's nice. I got back into training this week, and I felt good out there. So individually, it's a positive for me, too. He says, uh, they asked sort of whether he had any restrictions, and he says, I really only got two training sessions in. It's tough, but I know with the numbers and the guys out on international break, we needed bodies, and it's just what you have to do. We had a good communication, but I'd do anything to win for this team, so I'm definitely happy with the win. Um, uh, again, he was asked about how the team tried to adjust to have more possession. He says, I think it's tough because you you start out the season with a certain team, and now you're missing guys, and we haven't played too much, this team, together. So obviously, it's part of our plan to be more possessive. Sometimes you just have to deal with that, with what the game gives you. And today, Cincinnati was more offensive, and with those two goals, they had to open up, and they made it difficult for us. But again, I didn't think they had any clear chances. And we already told you about uh, Legette's, um take on Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So, uh, again, I mean, here's the thing, and we're, we're going to talk about rumors here in a second, but the, there's lots of people who don't want Zlatan Ibrahimovic on this team anymore, and certainly I, I think we've already pointed out on this show many times that in terms of captain, uh, that you'd want Jonathan Dos Santos as your captain, and with Jonathan not there, you know, certainly Zlatan has, was named captain at the beginning of the year, so he's certainly going to have the armband, so Zlatan gets that armband. Um you know, his whining, his temper tantrums, it, it, in my mind, is all part of that extremely competitive understanding of who Zlatan Ibrahimovic is, and he doesn't like to lose, and really, for him, it's about individual winning as well. Uh, if you want a guy who's a raw, raw guy, Zlatan Ibrahimovic can be that guy, because he can get into people's faces. Um, I, I give you the first El Trafico uh, on the field for like 30 seconds, and was already questioning Carlos Vela's manhood. Um, so he can be that guy that stokes the fires, that really elevates himself. Um, but it's not all the time. And if he's not interested in a game, which, you know, again, that's probably unfair for me to say. I know a lot of you are going to say that, that he wasn't interested in the game, that he wasn't playing in the game, that he looked like he was walking and trying and all this stuff. Um, I, I feel like that, in my mind, you, you knew what you were getting with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, is that he wants all the records, he wants all the goals. Um, if anybody's going to take a penalty kick, it's him. You know, there's no, going to be no questioning about it. He's going to walk up there and take it. If he gives it to somebody else, that's something else that you can discuss. But Zlatan wants to take the penalty kick. He wants to score the goals. He wants the record. He wants the wins. He wants the trophy. And he wants that uh, individually. But because soccer is a team sport, he'll gladly drag whichever team he's with individually into these into these accomplishments. Um, so you're looking at Zlatan Ibrahimovic right now for all that he is. He is a demonstrative character. He's a guy who is ridiculously competitive. He'll pick fights. Um, all of this is known. Uh, this is not a surprise. And, and quite honestly, the anger at it always surprises me. Um, do I think he shows it too much? I, I don't think I care. And I don't think the players care up to a certain point either. Um, you know, the, the Galaxy did not play well in the offensive transition. They may have managed the center of the field, as Guillermo talked about or Sebastian talked about. They may have done that well. But for Zlatan Ibrahimovic, he's certainly aware that the LA Galaxy didn't get him the ball. Uh, and I think that's the, the biggest thing is that as much as people complain and bemoan the fact that the Galaxy like to play through Zlatan Ibrahimovic, this is a game where they didn't and they couldn't. Um, they may have tried. It didn't work very well. 
And whether you give credit to FC Cincinnati or just sort of the makeshift team, and I think Sebastian Legette hits it on the head too, is that with all these guys leaving, you don't have your normal team in there. You're not playing in your normal positions in some cases. Uh, you have a team that is more mix-matched than it really is sort of paired with each other. This is not the first choice for the LA Galaxy, and they all know that. And so trying to fit all these puzzle pieces together in order to make them work correctly is difficult. Um, and I think that's what you're seeing here from the LA Galaxy in this game is that clearly, uh, obviously, there was some chemistry issues. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic can get as mad as he wants, but those chemistry issues led to him not getting the ball. I don't think, and and I think, well, let's see, I don't think, and then I think. Um, in my mind, Zlatan Ibrahimovic isn't here past, isn't with the LA Galaxy past the end of the season. To think that they're going to get rid of him at the middle of the year seems like a stretch right now. Um, so for me, I just, I, I don't see it. And anybody you get rid of, you're going to have to then pull 11 more goals out of this season. So if you're going to get Zlatan Ibrahimovic away, I'm sort of putting him in the, if we can predict what he did in the first half and, and sort of sketch that out to the second half, which is never, he could score one goal for the rest of the year, and that could be it. But in my mind, if you're going to move him, then right now you have to find a guy who's going to score 11 goals, um, you know, in the last remaining half of the season. Uh, as soon as the transfer window opens up, remember transfer window opens on July 9th for major league soccer. So, you can get upset about this. You can say that he doesn't deserve to be captain. I understand all that. Uh, but right now, in my mind, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is on this team until the end of the year. Uh, and that's probably a good thing for the LA Galaxy whenever you look at how many goals have been scored this year by the LA Galaxy and then the percentage of those goals that Zlatan Ibrahimovic has. Uh, Galaxy have scored 19 goals and Zlatan Ibrahimovic has scored 11. So more than 50%. I can Even I can do that math. Um, so that's what you're looking at with the LA Galaxy and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. It's a necessary evil for this season. And then, quite honestly, you have a huge task of trying to replace him next year. Uh, again, you're going to have to find, you know, 20 goals. Probably don't need to have... It's it's one of those, it's, you know, a little bit of, uh, of money ball where it's like, well, I don't need to get one guy who scores 20 goals. I need two guys who can score 10. Um, and that makes sense, too. You could do that as well. Uh, but however you look at it, in, in my mind... Uh, Zlatan had a right to be frustrated. The Galaxy didn't play well in transition, and they didn't feed him, and he didn't get to score goals, and that's his job, and that's he wants the records, and, and he can do it. Uh, whether or not you're sick of his attitude, I don't think he cares. Uh, whether or not you think it is affecting the team right now, I'll tell you, winning, if they keep winning, it doesn't affect the team. Uh, so, you know, all those things being said... I think everybody understands. Everybody in the locker room understands what they get with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I'm not sure some of the fans understand what you get from Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I'm not saying he's a role model for your kid. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I don't think Robbie Keane maybe would be a role model for your kid, except that you want that dogged determination that doesn't give up. And Zlatan Ibrahimovic would, you know, run through a brick wall to score a goal. It doesn't matter what kit he's in. doesn't matter what team he's playing for, but he would run through a brick wall to score a goal. Now, Robbie Keane, on the other hand, would run through a brick wall to score for the LA Galaxy. Um, and certainly he's been at other clubs, and I think whenever he's with that club that he understands that he's part of that team. But strikers are selfish, crazy players. Um, they're ridiculously competitive. Uh, they don't like to, you know, I, again, we go back to it all the time, but Robbie Keane stealing that, uh, that, that, that ball off the goal line for, from Christian Wilhelmsen, um, you know, in the LA Galaxy's, I think, 2012 MLS Cup win. Uh, the ball's rolling in, and Wilhelmsen's finally going to get his first goal, and Robbie Keane goes up and 
nudges it over the line, makes sure Robbie Keane gets the goal, not Wilhelmsen. So um, all those things, you, you know, you can sort of put in that in that thing. I mean, even even for a guy like Landon Donovan, who people say you know was not a was not committed to soccer. I disagree. Anytime he was on the field, that guy was one of the most competitive people, and he hated to lose. Slatan Ibrahimovic hates to lose. He doesn't. It's it's not an option for him. Um, he gets angry. He gets upset. And the fact the Galaxy win, everybody's happy about the win. That's fine. But you can't sit there and say that the Galaxy played well, and you certainly can't say that the Galaxy used Zlatan well in a game where he should have been able to light people up. Um, so, you know, if you think that a player shouldn't show that disgust, I understand. Um, you know, if you think that Zlatan is too much and that he should get off the field, I say, okay, but pump the brakes. Where are you going to get the rest of those goals? So for me, the win is what you should expect from the LA Galaxy. 2-0, uh, way to FC Cincinnati. Winning on the road is hard. The LA Galaxy now are tied for the third most away points in Major League Soccer. Um, you have LAFC with 15 points so far right now. You have two teams, Montreal Impact and the Portland Timbers with 14 points on the road. And Portland, obviously, uh, has only played two games at home so far this season. Uh, and then you have the LA Galaxy with uh, 13 points on the road. And they're tied with New York City FC. Uh, which is interesting. Uh, if you look at all of this, the the um, you know it's more and more clear that LAFC seems to be running away with everything in terms of the league. Uh, I'll, I'll say this right now, though, the Galaxy actually closed the gap a little bit while LAFC didn't play. So the Galaxy, having played 17 games in LAFC with 16 games, um, you know they they are only six points behind right now. The LA Galaxy. So if LAFC ends up dropping their next game, then you can consider that three points gained by the LA Galaxy uh, in terms of uh, of that. So you're starting to look. Uh, Montreal Impact have played 18 games. I think that's the one that's the furthest out there. The LA Galaxy have 17. There's a bunch of teams with 17, some with 16 games, um, some with 15 games. Uh, one of the other interesting parts of this is that the Houston Dynamo, who were uh, sort of right there with the LA Galaxy in terms of points per game, have now dropped underneath the LA Galaxy in points per game, even though they've only played 14 games. So they are three games behind the LA Galaxy right now, four games behind Montreal when you look at it. So all interesting sort of stats and stuff to look at. But uh, the LA Galaxy on the road this year have been uh, pretty good. Uh, in, in fact, they've been much better than I think a lot of people give them credit for already whenever you look at this LA Galaxy team and how many points they have. I mean, you know, the 13 points is, is is good, but, you know, how good is it in terms of historical reference for the LA Galaxy? Uh, in 2018, the LA Galaxy had 20 points um, from their 17 games that they played uh, away from uh, Dignity Health Sports Park. Uh, so that was 20 points. They are now just seven points shy of that halfway through the season. I mean, if you're going to double this, you would say, okay, the LA Galaxy get 26 points on the road this year. You can't make those straight assignments, but let's pretend for a second. Uh, 26 points would be the third most and tied with 2011, an MLS Cup winning year, uh, with 26 points. In 2010, the LA Galaxy had 30 points on the road. Um, and 1998, they had 39 points. But let's go modern era here. Um, really, you're looking at an LA Galaxy team that if they get 26 points would would be right up there. And, and not only would that help them on the road, but that would be, that would be crazy. It would also, um, the 13 points is already more than 2015. Uh, they're just about five points shy of the 2017 uh, the worst season in LA Galaxy history, but actually they did better on the road, I think, that year than they did at home. Um, however, that ended up uh, portraying itself whenever you look at it. Let's see, I actually have the stats for uh, for 2017. 2017, yeah, 14 points at home. Um, 
So the LA Galaxy currently uh, at 13 points are getting ready to sort of surpass halfway through the season the total number of home points from 2017, whenever you want to look at that. So, I mean, the LA Galaxy's road form now, three wins in a row for the LA Galaxy on the road. Um, that's something to keep in mind can be a real boom for them, especially whenever you look at what they've been doing at home recently, which is not good form. So the fact they're picking up points on the road and just sort of stealing those points back from the bad showings they have at home have kept the LA Galaxy in second place. If you go back and look at the standings in terms of where this LA Galaxy team has been throughout the year, it's basically been in second place in the West and second place in the Supporter Shield for most of this year. Uh, their lowest positioning really came, I think, after the second game where they were sitting in 12th position. Um or maybe not even 12th, like 11th, um, in 11th position. Uh, yeah, 11th or 12th, somewhere in there in the supporter shield. And, you know, we're sitting at 7th or 8th position um, in the Western Conference. And that was after the second game. Other than that, there's only been, you know, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 5 weeks, 6, 7, 8, 8 weeks out of this entire season, the Galaxy have not been in second place. That's that's all. That's ridiculous in terms of standing. So if you're looking at the LA Galaxy through the halfway point, you have to be sitting there pretty stoked and excited to see where the Galaxy are. And certainly, you're going to look at the rest of the schedule and understand it's a condensed schedule. The reason the Galaxy have been struggling at home, winning on the road, and still maintaining their position is simply that everybody else is doing the same thing. Uh, Houston, who was red hot, got up, went up and got spanked in Portland 4 to nothing. you know? I mean, it's stuff like that you see constantly. It really is this year wide open. Um, so I can see the LA Galaxy doing better because I, I don't think for a second they've reached any sort of limit in terms of what they've done so far through, through the first 17 games of the season. I don't think we've seen a complete performance by any stretch of the imagination. The best one maybe against Minnesota, maybe against Philadelphia. Um, maybe those were the best performances. Maybe that's what you're going to get from the LA Galaxy. Maybe that's as good as it gets this year. But from a team that is having to be put together through, you know, uh, some stops and starts, and, and certainly they've revamped some of the roster, and, and perhaps whenever the transfer window opens in the summer, you're going to see even more revamping going on. But for a team that's revamped as much as they have, seeing them in this position, seeing them in a firm, uh, you know, playoff position in the Western Conference is what you want to see from the LA Galaxy, is what you want to have happen through the first 17 games. I don't think the LA Galaxy really could ask for more right now. Uh, just in terms of positioning in the rest of the league. And, and, and that's something to sort of pay attention to. 10-6-1 uh, right now through 17 games. They have 31 points. It wasn't until the 20th game that they got. So, if, you know, three more games, four more games, three more games down the road that in 2018 they got 31 points. Guess what? They reached 32 points, and they surpassed the 31 points in 2017 through their 33rd game. So there's a clear, in my mind, a clear progression upwards getting better for the LA Galaxy uh, through these last couple of years and I think that's what you want to see from the LA Galaxy but you can also say and look at 2018 and realize you know that hey they're not that far behind that 2018 pace um, it really is about when the LA Galaxy started to struggle in 2018 and when they started to play well so this year it seems like everybody is more mediocre than you know really the best teams are showing that's something to keep keep an eye on through the second half is who's going to separate themselves from the rest of the Western Conference in terms of those upper teams. LAFC has already done it. 
Can the LA Galaxy start to separate themselves? Can they string some wins together? Stringing wins together would be a good way for the Galaxy to continue to hold that position. And it's funny because you're going to need to win points just to hold that position. It's not about climbing right now unless you think you can get within striking distance of LAFC. Now, with two games against LAFC, if the LA Galaxy were to win both of them, that's obviously you know a six or even a 12-point swing whenever you think about it in terms of taking three points away from the opponent and grabbing three points is six points. So you you can grab something. So those games could be critical to really figuring out whether or not the LA Galaxy can challenge for a Western Conference title or challenge for, you know, a supporter shield. All those things um, are interesting to see. We talked about Zlatan. I'm, I'm sort of giving you, you know, the charts that I've looked through so far through 17 games and, and where the LA Galaxy sit with those. Um, if you're looking at the designated player minutes right now, uh, the leader in terms of the most minutes played as a percentage of the total minutes available is Jonathan Dos Santos at 84.8, but obviously that's dropping right now as the LA Galaxy or as the LA Galaxy midfielder is away with Mexico playing in the international, and so he's missing these minutes. Zlatan Ibrahimovic at 76.5%, and then Roman Alessandrini has only played 18.4%. That will continue to dwindle. Total on average just shy of 60%, 59.9% of the minutes available uh, to designated players have been played by those players. All right. Looking at, you know, the points per month and where the LA Galaxy currently are, they're showing three points. Uh, they lost their first game in June. This is their second game. They have one more game coming up against the San Jose Earthquakes, uh, and that'll sort of be the end of that. In July, there's four games to play. August, five games. Uh, let's see, September is five games, and October is just two games. You're, you know... It feels like it's been a long time in the first half of this season that we got to 17 games, So you know, and, and now you're there. But these next 17 games are going to go quick. Uh, they're going to go real quick, uh, and they're going to fill up the next, you know, one, two, three, four, five. Really, it's like four and a quarter months uh, very rapidly. So the LA Galaxy sort of need to keep an eye on that. Uh, through 17 games, store, scored 24 goals, conceded 19. If we're going to project that out, let's double those. 48 and 38 is what is projected in terms of the offensive goals. So uh, if that is the case, uh, the LA Galaxy would finish with a plus 10 goal differential, which would be eh, probably about average whenever you look at things uh, for the LA Galaxy. Um but if you're looking at what that would mean in terms of scoring, uh, the 48 goals would put the LA Galaxy just slightly below average in terms of scoring. The average for the Galaxy right now is sitting at 49.8 across all their seasons. Uh, and then if you're looking at, you know, in terms of goals conceded, the 38 would sort of put them just below average. So actually better because um, you want to be below on this particular one. Um, the average right now is almost 41 uh, and it would also be a huge turnaround from the 64 goals that they conceded last year and the 67 goals the year before. So all those seem to be trending in the right direction, um, at least as far as I'm concerned in looking at these things and, and how it goes. The LA Galaxy sitting at 1.82 points per game right now. If the season ended right now, this would be the third highest, uh, yeah, the third highest points per game um, in the history of the LA Galaxy, if it ended at 1.82. Uh, the average is 1.54, so right now trending above that average as it goes. Uh, 2010 and 2011 both had 1.97, so that would be above there. You could would tie with 2002 at 1.82, and 1998 averaged over two goals, or excuse me, two points per game. Uh, and that is the only season the LA Galaxy have ever played that it finished over the two points per game. Uh, it was 2.13 points per game. The 31 points through 17 games 
puts the LA Galaxy actually in some some sort of rare company, uh, at least whenever it comes to the different years that the LA Galaxy have, have gone through. Uh, they are right now tied with 2011 through two, two through 17 games. Uh, they are one point better than 2004, who had 30 points through 17 games. 2010 had 39 points through 17 games. So you sort of understand that's where it is. The the leader in all this, of course, is that 1998 team who had 43 points through 17 games. Um, so you, you can understand again where the LA Galaxy are in terms of the average. Uh, of all the points through 17 games, the LA Galaxy would be at 25.5 is usually the average. So they're at 31, so about six points uh, difference in terms of the average that's there. So again, we're, we're, we're going down the road of saying, okay, how good is this LA Galaxy team? Uh, they're currently right now, uh, as we said, tied on the same points as 2011, and the, the lines there um, are starting to cross on the grass in terms of, you know, what, is this, what does this really look like? Um, I'll tell you, that it looks like the you know the the 2010 season is sort of out of reach in terms of how good this LA Galaxy team could be in the regular season. Um, you could certainly put them in, possibly in a 2016. Maybe that trend line works. Uh, maybe 2014. That trend line works. It also right now is crossed with that 2011 team. So they're actually outpacing uh, both of those 2014 and I believe the 2016 lines um, as you look at them. So that's where we sort of sit with the LA Galaxy halfway through the season 17 games in at least from the charts i think eric and i on thursday will take a look and and give a little more half season review whenever we get you ready for san jose and and do all that but i wanted to make sure that i at least got you through uh what i saw on the charts as i'm looking at things today as we look ahead to the la galaxy and what we can expect from them i know lots of numbers not lots of different dates but in, in general i have to tell you that you know that that one that i just gave you that the la galaxy averaged through 17 games 25.5 points and they're currently at 31. That tells you this LA Galaxy team is currently behaving more, you know, above average for LA Galaxy teams. That's that's probably a pretty good indicator. Now, you could say that the quality of opponents hasn't been the same. I'm telling you, I expect more mediocrity from Major League Soccer than possibly you've ever seen from this league going down the stretch. I think it'll be difficult for teams to separate themselves. But getting a hot hand could really separate yourself from other teams right now. Um, so if the Galaxy can string four or five wins together right now in these, you know, first of the next 17 games, that may be enough to separate them far enough for the rest of the season. So focusing on, you know, the next five games can be really important for the LA Galaxy as they go forward. All right, now I wanted to get you into LA Galaxy news and uh, and through all that fun stuff. So let's start with the MLS All-Star roster revealed. Uh, I think despite your best efforts, LA Galaxy fans, uh, two LA Galaxy pl- players still ended up on the All-Star team. Um, it's always fun to see the, you know, just sort of the mindset of Galaxy fans. The All-Star, com- the All-Star uh, roster comes out and they're angry and upset. And they're like, who did this? Who voted for these guys? Um, unfortunately, when you have names as big as Jonathan Dos Santos and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, they're going to get called almost regardless. So that's what you have. Uh, I think it's the best case scenario for the LA Galaxy when you look at it, uh, that you have Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who's going to go. Um, and I expect him to play this time. I know there's people who are saying, oh, he won't play, and then he'll get suspended again. And blah, blah. I just I don't see a, a reason not to go. Yes, there's a chance of injury. Uh, I'm fully aware of that. I don't, you know, I think I've always sort of felt on the same place with this, and I understand the reason why they have an all-star game. Um, it really is a sponsor event anymore. It is. It, it used to be the big sponsor event was the MLS Cup, but the MLS Cup was predetermined of where it was going to be played. If you remember, 
in 2011, it was held at the Home Depot Center. And the reason it was held at the Home Depot Center was not because the LA Galaxy were in it. It was because it was predetermined that that's where it went. And then in 2012, they decided that they were going to play it at the highest seed. So whoever had the highest seed uh, there at the end, then that was going to be the person. So really, it got to be you have the best record and you made it to the final. You're going to get to host MLS Cup. So it could go anywhere. And you only knew about a week ahead of time or two weeks ahead of time where that was really going to be. So you couldn't plan the game. You couldn't plan the raw the the sponsor events as good or or as well in advance as you could whenever um, whenever it was predetermined. So the the All Star Game really sort of ratcheted up in league importance because it's their big time to sort of have their sponsor event and to do that. That is why the All Star Game exists. That's why it exists with a you know a, a an outside MLS opponent. It's to draw eyes to the game to the league and to the league sponsors, and that's why you have an All-Star game. This particular All-Star game coming on July 31st at 5 p.m. Pacific time on Fox Sports 1 and Unamas. Uh, it is coached by Orlando City's James O'Connor because wherever the All-Star game is being hosted, which is this year, is in Orlando City, uh, it's that team's head coach who now gets to coach it. Uh, it used to be like the team with the best record. It was their coach, and then they realized that was a lot to ask for, and I think a bunch of that had to do with Bruce Arena at the time whenever it was going through. Um, so it is now whoever is hosting Hosting, wherever that all-star game is being hosted, uh, that coach then gets to have that um, that coach. So, or gets to have uh, gets to coach the all-star game. So, um, going against Atletico Madrid, that is who the opponent is. The LA Galaxy have two players and two players only, and that is after uh, Coach James O'Connor got his selections, and that's after uh, you know Commissioner Don Garber got his two picks as well. Zlatan Ibrahimovic actually got selected through the EA Sports More Than a Vote Challenge. I think that was the one on EA Sports on FIFA where you go and you have score a goal with him and that would therefore, um, you know, indicate that it was on there. So he's on there. And then Jonathan Dos Santos was a fan vote uh, selection as well. So that was it. Only two players. I think for the most part, you can all sort of breathe easier on that. But I'll tell you, it really does sort of put the LA Galaxy at a disadvantage whenever you look at what is going to entail for Zlatan Ibrahimovic and what that's going to entail for uh, Jonathan Dos Santos. Uh, that game is on July 31st. The LA Galaxy play away at Portland on July 27th, so you're looking at a tough turf match there in Portland at Providence Park. That game broadcast on Fox and Fox Sports 1. I don't. I imagine it's Fox Sports 1. Who knows? It might be Big Fox. You never know. Um, and then the LA Galaxy All-Stars on July 31st, which is a Wednesday, would then travel to Orlando to play. So going from Portland to Orlando, not good. Um, and then having to go from Orlando to Atlanta, not horrible, because they'll play Atlanta away on Saturday, August 3rd, 2019. Um in between, by the way, if you go from Friday, July 19th to Saturday, July 27th, uh, the LA Galaxy playing that League's Cup ga- match as well against the Jolos of Tijuana um, on July 23rd, my birthday punishment. Um, so that's there as well. So that's what you get from the All-Star game. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Jonathan Dos Santos. Uh, I don't think I would blame any of your your fellow LA Galaxy fans. I imagine that, league, that teams... Um, or fans around the league also know who Jonathan Dos Santos is and realize that he has been one of the better players this year. And so that's probably why he was voted in um, on the fan vote and, and goes in. All right. 
let's go quickly over the international call-ups, uh, and then we can sort of ratchet this out as we get you ready, and I will tell you about the rumors or uh, surrounding Diego Polenta here right after this. Uh, we know that international call-ups and just sort of an update, Jonathan Dos Santos, Aurel Antunas, Giancarlo Gonzalez, Ernesto Walker from Galaxy 2, uh, and Rolf Felcher. So uh, what I've been able to pull together, and the big story really is Aurel Antunas scoring for Mexico again. Um, so this kid now has scored, I believe, his fourth goal for Mexico in the Gold Cup. Now, the the competition they've faced has been slightly better at times than USL and slightly worse than times in USL. Um, but none, nonetheless, Uriel Antuna has scored four goals for Mexico in, on the national team, on the full national team. Remember, he was the last player to join. Uh, he scored four goals, and he scored another goal in Mexico's 3-2 win over Martinique. Uh, he scored in the 29th minute, the first goal there. Jonathan Dos Santos also made an appearance in this game, uh, playing 23 minutes uh, total. The other part, you go back to June 19th, um, Antuna played 90 minutes in the 3-1 win over Canada. Um, Jonathan Dos Santos went 73 minutes in that particular game. So you're getting some minutes from both of these guys as they go. If you want to know about Ernesto Walker, the best I can tell on June 18th, he went 12 minutes for Panama in a sub-appearance. Giancarlo Gonzalez has no minutes, but Costa Rica is likely to make the knockout round right now. Uh, Costa Rica versus Haiti, I believe, is going on as I'm recording this, so you'll just have to check the results and, and sort of see. But it looks like Costa Rica is moving on to the knockout stages of this. Uh, Rolf Felcher into the quarterfinals of Copa America with Venezuela. He's played no minutes, no appearances so far yet, so we still don't know whether the injury to Felcher is healed or not. It's just sort of a question mark, and he's not with the Galaxy, so it's difficult to see gauge um, you know his recovery and how he's doing uh, if you follow at galaxy pro foul at galaxy p-r-o-f-o-u-l f-o-u-l yes um, uh, on on instagram you will see lots of rolf felcher and ice bath um, you know, videos coming from, from Rolf down uh, playing in, in Copa America. So just sort of keep an eye on that um, as it goes. But that's sort of where you stand with the international call-ups. The LA Galaxy's weekly schedule right now, Monday, June 17th, uh, they are training... Oh, see, I didn't even put the old... I, I cut out the old... Uh, the Excuse me, I cut out the old... Uh, schedule, but apparently I didn't want to put it in there and didn't want to do anything. Anyway, they had Monday, June 24th off. That's what we, that's as we're recording today. They will return to training on Tuesday. Um, they're training Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Right now, Larry Morgan, not on Twitter, scheduled to go out to LA Galaxy training on Thursday. I leave, as do the LA Galaxy, uh, leave for San Jose on Friday. The game is Saturday, June 29th, 7 p.m. kickoff time on Spectrum Sportsnet. It's LA Galaxy versus San Jose Earthquakes with likely 50,000 in attendance at Stamford Stadium for this game. The LA Galaxy will then return on Sunday. I will not come back on Sunday. They'll return to uh, to LA on Sunday, June 30th, um, and then... Uh, return to training after that on Monday, July 1st right now. At least that's the schedule. So they'll have Sunday off as a travel day, um, and that'll sort of get them ready. All right, let's get you now to the LA Galaxy, and let's get you now to the the rumors surrounding Diego Polenta. Uh, I don't know how substantial these rumors were, and I don't know how credible any of them were. It certainly seems that, as I'm going to report, um, that uh, there's something to this, or there's not something to this. I'll get it to you here in a second. But basically, uh, Diego Polenta was reported to make a move back to Nacional. Um, and so there were a bunch of questions of why he would want to go back to Nacional. Remember, he took some time off from soccer. He was playing with them, uh, but he wanted to go back possibly to 
uh, Nassi and Al. It was, it was all sort of convoluted, and there were lots of reasons. Basically, uh, people were talking about him being homesick, about missing his family, and, you know, why isn't Diego's family even with him? That's a question I don't have an answer to. Um, you know, and I don't know that they're not with him. I'm just sort of going over all the reports that I've seen. Um, you know, somebody, in, and certainly asked correctly, you know, is this another Yellow Van Dam situation, which is you have a guy who's homesick, who's away from his kids, he's divorced, he wants to be one that, you know, does that thing. Here's the thing is that if you want to, you can talk yourself into making this make sense. If all of those things are true and he wants to leave, with the ability with the, the ability of, of Giancarlo Gonzalez or the addition of Giancarlo Gonzalez, with the way that Dan Steris and Dave Romney have sort of been playing uh, in Major League Soccer play, by the way, any day game Dave Romney starts the LA Galaxy have a shutout in. Um, so that's, I mean, that's that's still something. Throughout the U.S. Open Cup and that, that B-minus C-plus team and how horrible they played. Um, but Dan Steris has been the most consistent defender for the LA Galaxy this year, one of its best. Um, so you could certainly say that the LA Galaxy are probably up one central midfield or central defender, and we've been talking about that forever in terms of you know Dan Steris wasn't supposed to be playing there, but the fact is that he's played so well that GBS can't take him out, and that's a that's a good thing for Dan Steris. So all of those things can certainly make sense if you wanted to say that Diego Polento was leaving the LA Galaxy. However, I'm here to tell you, as I reported on Twitter just before I recorded this this particular show and as I'm telling you now on this podcast I'm being told that the rumors surrounding Diego Polenta wanting to move back to uh, Nacional to Uruguay um, and, and wanting to leave the LA Galaxy are not true all right and em- em- emphatically not true so as of right now Diego Polenta is not going anywhere now at one point uh, Kevin Baxter and I uh, were told by uh, by one LA Galaxy president Chris Klein that Yella Van Dam wasn't going anywhere um, so things can change, but I'm telling you that, it, you know, from what I was told and, and the people I talked to, it was emphatic that this is not true and that Diego Polenta is not going anywhere. And I think that fits more in my mind that that makes more sense than him suddenly wanting to leave. This is a guy who took time off from soccer, um, who who clearly wanted to clear his head, comes into Major League Soccer, is performing well. I mean, if you saw the the basically the obituaries people were writing about Diego Polenta's time in LA Galaxy, they're clearly people who haven't been watching him play. Uh, they're saying, oh, you know, he wasn't really that good. He didn't play that well. That's, that's all BS. He has been a solid performer outside of his early mistakes, which were certainly the rust that was shown from having taken some time off from soccer. Uh, he's come into the LA Galaxy and been a solid contributor, and it's a good thing they have him right now, because the LA Galaxy need those defenders and need that that solid defense back there in central defense. Uh, pairing with Dan Steris has worked actually pretty well. Uh, you know, it gets more sort of iffy whenever Giancarlo Gonzalez comes back to the team and whether or not you know he plays and where he starts so that's more of a question whenever you get to there but right now uh, as of the recording of the show on June 24th at about 6.40pm as I'm recording uh, I will tell you that Diego Polenta is not going anywhere that he's staying with the LA Galaxy alright there you go I thought that was good there's another rumor out there that I have to wait for Panda to come back before we can discuss. I think it's more his rumor. It's an interesting one, though. I, I don't know how much I believe it. In fact, I don't believe it, so that's why I'm not going to sit here and, and jump all over it, but he was texting me. Whenever I woke up at 4.55 this morning to uh, get ready to go work out, I had a, I had a text from the panda who's on uh, France time uh, and was telling me some stuff, so I'll, I'll let him discuss that whenever he gets back, or if he wants to, maybe he'll be able to call in for one of these shows coming in here pretty soon as he covers the Women's World Cup in France, so uh, some good stuff. Gold Cup going on, um, so keep your eye on that to sort of watch Oriel Antuna and Jonathan Dos Santos. Uh, Antuna has sort of been the star. I'll tell you, if he keeps playing the way that he's playing, it's harder and harder for the LA Galaxy to keep him. Uh, I would certainly argue that the talent that he has scored against and the talent that he's played against is nothing that is 
that is even MLS quality in comparison. However, having said that, you love the confidence that he is building within Antuna. So I would expect that if he's not exhausted whenever he comes back from, from Mexico, which I think he's going to be tired. It's tough to play all these games as a kid, and you could see that drop off in the second half of the season. That could be a real indication of how many minutes has been put on his legs and how much pressure sort of he's been under. But I think you know his confidence coming back will be good for the LA Galaxy if he can sort of keep up on the goal scoring streak and, and feeling that confidence. Because you put him back in a Galaxy kit, put him against MLS competition, I feel like he could probably score a couple of goals based off of confidence alone. So that's great. Uh, keep an eye on Jonathan Dos Santos still sort of nursing that injury. And then, you know, we really haven't seen. You're looking more for Costa Rica to get bounced. That way Giancarlo Gonzalez can return. You're looking for Venezuela, um, who has been playing well in Copa America. Actually, not horrible at all. Um, so Venezuela is is into those knockout stages. So they're playing Argentina next. We'll see if they have any luck against that. But that mean, could mean that Ralph Felcher could be on his way back to the LA Galaxy by this Friday. So sort of keep your eyes as those knockout rounds continue. LA Galaxy sit in second place in the Western Conference, second place in the Supporters' Shield, 31 points from 17 games. Uh, If you look over on the Eastern Conference, they would be tied for first in the Eastern Conference, Philadelphia Union at 31 points. The Galaxy currently have the tiebreaker, whatever that ends up being. I'm not sure which one they're looking at um, for the first tiebreaker. I haven't studied up on which tiebreaker is uh, is the overriding factor in this one with the Galaxy currently sitting in second place in the uh, Supporter Shield over uh, the Philadelphia Union. Uh, the schedule coming up, as we told you, is uh, is one more game left here in June as the LA Galaxy take on and travel to the San Jose Earthquakes at Stanford Stadium. That game is on Saturday, June 29th, 7 p.m. Pacific time. We'll have a full preview for you as the Galaxy get ready to head up to Stanford Stadium in Palo Alto. Game on Spectrum Sportsnet, so keep your eyes peeled for that one. It's going to be uh, the first Cali Classico, and they're rapid-fire Cali Classicos because the Galaxy will then host... A home game, and by the way, a bunch of home games coming up three in a row for the LA Galaxy after they're done with San Jose. Um, They'll host Toronto FC on Thursday, July 4th at 7.30 p.m. Then it's Friday, July 12th, hosting the San Jose Earthquakes. Told you they were coming rapid fire. And then it's the big one, uh, El Trafico, coming up on Friday, July 19th against LAFC at home, Dignity Health Sports park that game broadcast nationally on espn uh the rest of the july schedule has the galaxy playing uh the jolos and then they come back to mls play and play away at portland july 27th away at uh atlanta august 3rd and away at dc united august 11th tough tough three game three game road trip with an mls all-star game in between as well uh, and then, of course, they will finish out, or not even finish out, but finish out August uh, with two home games, August 14th against FC Dallas, uh, August 17th against the Seattle Sounders condensed schedule, hello, um, and then Sunday away to LAFC at Bank of California Stadium. So that's where we sit right now. Um, the LA Galaxy getting, re- getting ready and gearing up to take on the San Jose Earthquakes, a team that has certainly been surging a little bit in recent times. We'll see if they uh, they can carry that. As I was told today, as I told everybody I was headed up to this particular game to cover at Stanford, it's my first time at Stanford Stadium. Um, having said all that, uh, you know, somebody said, hey, wacky things happen in San Jose, and they certainly do in the Cali Classicos. Last year was a 3-3 
draw. Uh, I think Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Chris Wondolowski both both scored multiple times um, in that game, and and so you know you can always expect sort of those high scoring crazy games to happen uh, whenever you look at those and and see how they go down. So uh, LA Galaxy getting ready to take on the San Jose Earthquakes. That's what we'll be prepping for you for our live show on Thursday. All right, I think that about does it. Uh, yeah, there's nothing else. We get, we covered a whole bunch. There's a bunch of news in there. I got to break a little news for you as well. So hopefully that helps you enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, maybe you're watching some women's world cup. Maybe you're, uh, you're getting into that gold cup or the Copa America. However, it is plenty of soccer going on right now. And the LA galaxy looking to get a two game win streak there going as they head up to San Jose, which we'll have a full preview of on Thursday. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J G U E S M A N. And of course at galaxy podcast, head on over to corner of the galaxy com where you can find all of our articles, all of our podcasts, all of our videos, any of our stuff that we have, including our merchandise, our scarves, our t-shirts, any of that stuff can be found on cornerofthegalaxy.com. And as always, we appreciate your support as we continue to drive your coverage all the way through this busy, busy summer. All right, Kevin, uh, Kevin Baxter still in France covering the Women's World Cup. He'll be back whenever that is over. Uh, and then back on this show as soon as he possibly can. Uh, and if you need to find me, you'll find me in, uh, at Stanford Stadium on Saturday. All right, we'll be back on Thursday with our live show. Don't miss it, 7 p.m., always at 7 p.m. on Thursday. All right, for absolutely no one else but myself, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.